welcome to the next episode of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive, or Saddle for short. My name's Alison Barton-Simmons. Marlene! <laughs> I'm Ex Benedict. And we are about to deep dive Series 2, Episode 5 of Faulty Towers. The anniversary, isn't it? It is. Lots of frenetic run up and down stairs again. It is. But before we get stuck into this, we're going we're gonna to try something a little bit different this week. We thought we'd... Uh, We'd try some sort of new quiz format that we've not done before. And because I've been a little bit jealous of you getting your Les trousers on in the past, your Les yes. Dawson trousers, uh-huh. I thought we'd, uh, we'd I'd put my own Les trousers on today. I try, I put my Les Dennis trousers on instead of... Oh, my God. Oh, not a separate yeah. Les altogether. Oh, wow. I, I couldn't fit into Leslie Crowther's trousers. <laughs> they'd, <laughs> they'd shrunk in all the gin that's been spilled on them over the years. So, yes, we're going to have a cracker, a family fortune style game. That's exciting. And to help us out, we've actually got a guest who's joining us, uh, one of the Saddos from our Facebook group. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hello. I'm all right. Excellent. Good. What's your name and where'd you come? Oh, now I've gone all silly, haven't I? <laughs> surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. What's your favourite sitcom, Brian? Uh, my favourite sitcom is probably watching. Watching. Um, oh, that was one of my tips for the um, the third series. I, I wanted to do. I'd like to do watching. Yeah, I can. I, the only thing I can imagine we're doing a deep dive on it is it's so. Is it second ever? Is it seven or nine series? It's long, isn't it? Oh, is it that long? Really? Is it that long? Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Then. That would be the only thing I'll put it off. So you're probably mm. watching. After that, would probably matter. Um, Fallen Wise original pairing. Mm. Yeah, we hear a lot of Reginald Perrin suggestions, so that, that m- may well make the short list, which will, as we say every week, we'll put that out to the vote to email subscribers and members yeah. of the Facebook group. I've recently been rewatching um, Robin's Nest, which hasn't aged as well as I thought it would do. Yeah. Oh, OK. It's been yeah. so long since I ever saw that. Remind me who's in that. Sorry. Oh, I'm so terrible for names. I'm really terrible names of actors. I can't I can picture, I can picture his face. Yeah. It was a Man About the House spin-off, wasn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. I loved it when I was a child, but looking at it now, it's not aged well. Well, you stay clear of that one then, but maybe watching <laughs> if, watching will take us through to the year 2025 by the sound of the <laughs> yeah. And you'll run out of things to say about Lisa Tarbuck's wardrobe. Oh. Yeah, just bright. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to try this Family Fortunes thing. I've got to try and remember how the theme tune to Family Fortunes goes. I keep getting Brucey's one in my head. I oh, know that's my fault. Sorry, I've I've confused you. Yeah. Well, no, that's Brucey, isn't it? No, that's what I was singing before. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Welcome to Family Fortunes. Yay! That wasn't a <laughs> wasn't a clumsy link at all, was it, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> so let me explain briefly how I've gone about um, putting this together. Um, Family Fortunes, as everyone knows, is based on the sort of we asked one hundred people format for answers to a to a question. So because I don't know hundred people, because I'm an antisocial bastard, what I did instead was I went on Facebook groups and created polls and ask people to add their own answer to the poll or 
vote for one of the answers in the poll to signify their response. And then because there was often more than 100 responses, I just took the most popular votes from the top down and took those answers. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if that's how they did it because they always had 100 answers, didn't they? I mean, imagine if you asked 100 people a, sp- a specific question, you'd probably get like 50 answers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll have to contact Les and ask him directly. <laughs> so what? how does family fortunes work? Yes, yeah, I suppose it's more like individual fortunes because there's only one each of you. Okay. You can't be conferring with your with your family, can you? No, because it's just you. And, it's like a one. It's like a one on one, isn't it? <laughs> mm, okay. The way it works is, I will uh, invite you both up to the mythical um, virtual podium. Okay. I'll pose the question, and whoever buzzes in first gets to answer first. And if it's right, they get control of the game. So, are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Let's hear your different squeakers. Okay. Mine is this. That's mine. That's yours, yeah. and Brian. Okay, so fingers on buzzers, stroke spoon against glass. <laughs> You're so middle class, Al, with your spoon against I've hunted all over for some kind of squeaker. With no pets, though. My hamster doesn't have a squeaker, so I'm all right here, though. Okay. We asked 100 randos on the internet to name a catchphrase from a British sitcom. Oh, just ahead of Brian there, Al. Um, Go on. I'm free. I'm free. Top answer. No. Yeah, top answer. I'm free. So you've got control of the board. You okay. can choose to play or pass it on to Brian to play. And if he gets them all wrong, then you win the round. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play, if that's okay. You're going to play? They always do. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why Les even bothers asking. Okay. I'm going to play. All right, okay. So you get three strikes, and um, I will superimpose the eh, eh, noise later. Okay. So that's the top answer. There is still, there was 23, uh, 23% of the people who answered said, I'm free. So okay. That's the most top, top answer. There is another uh, nine answers. Okay. Pick from. So I've got to get three from the nine. I've got to get them all. I've got to get all nine. Yeah, isn't that the way it works? I've not thought this through, have I? It's okay. Right. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a stab at it. So another one, another popular uh, catchphrase from a British sitcom. Ooh, Betty. Eh, eh. Oh. Really? You're now on one strike. <coughs> yeah, it wasn't okay. in there. It was actually really low down, so it didn't get included in the top 10 okay. answers. Um, <laughs> literally can't think of more than two. Literally can't think of any television <laughs> I've ever watched, ever. Um... Is Marlene in there? It isn't. <laughs> so you've only got one strike left. One more left. Um, and you've got eight to get. Heidi, hi. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was, was going to be mine. Was it? Oh, well, you're fortunate oh. that I'll nicked it then. So you've, you've got a good a spread of um, options to go for here, Brian, to steal oh, Brian. this round. Just think, confer with your own mind. Because you don't have a family um, present. Um, Rodney, you plonker. Bing. Yeah. Well done, Brian. You've you've successfully stolen from Al. <laughs> Rodney, you plonker came in in fifth place with six percent of the votes. When I read you this list, you'll be a little bit flabbergasted. I'll start from the bottom. Okay. The, uh, number ten was "Don't panic, Mr. Mannering." Oh. Of course. I kept thinking Pike. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't tell him your name, Pike. All right, okay. Number nine, we've got, oh dear, how sad, never mind. Winter Davies. (laughs) Ain't half half hot, mum. Right. Uh, Number eight, I don't believe it. Oh, Oh, of course. course. Of course. Yeah, obvious one, really, when you know it, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what he'd love, Ted? (laughs) Number seven, I think. Oh, oh, I hate you, Butler. Right. On the buses. Yeah. Uh, number six, bizarrely, you are awful, but I like you, Dick Emery. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said that was a sitcom, would you? I wouldn't have said it was a No. No, maybe I should have disallowed that one. Never mind. Uh, you plonker, Rodney, number five. Language, Timothy, number four, with 8% yeah. of the votes. This time next year, we'll be millionaires with 19% of the votes. Uh, and coming coming in second, twenty two percent was Baldrick with "I Have a Cunning Plan." Okay. Well, that's a spread, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I think maybe I, I included too many options there, but the next one's not as as bad. I've only got one, two, three, seven options in this one. Oh, okay. So you're back. You're both back in play, as Roy Walker used to say. Um, you're back in play. Look at Mister Chips there. <laughs> Uh, oh, I didn't tell you what prize you could win. Oh, my God. In one. Fuck all. <laughs> There's no, the only prize on offer is you get, anytime anyone gets a right answer, I might eat one of my lovely Belgian chocolates. <laughs> That's fair. Good. Okay. Enjoy them. You get the pleasure of seeing me eat Belgian chocolate. Eat chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> Are you ready, Brian? Yeah. Al, you ready? I am. Spoon next to glass. I've got my spoon ready. We asked 100 randos on the internet to name a fictional sitcom location. Could be a building or a place or a business. Ah, Brian. Nelson Mandela House. Correct. Nelson Mandela House was the fourth most popular answer with 8% of the votes. Would you like to play or pass? Let me think about this. Play. Play. Play, definitely. It's just more fun to play, isn't it? It is. Okay, so there's six more answers to get. Although now I've said that, I can't think of any other fictional. <laughs> that is the problem. Um, well, you get three strikes, so hopefully you'll be okay. Um, fictional sitcom locations. Warmington on Sea. Oh, that's the top answer. Yes, well done. 46% of the votes, believe it or not, were for Warmington on Sea. Excellent. So uh, a ting for that one. Well done. Just to uh, re- reiterate, these aren't all just towns. They are, you know, buildings and places. And... Mm-hmm. So have a good think. Um, Red Dwarf Mining Ship. Ah, it's good, but it's not the one. Not the one. Uh-uh. No, um, one strike there for Brian. Oh. Um, Grace Brothers. Grace Brothers Department Store. Oh. Excellent. Grace Brothers Department Store uh, was the fifth most popular answer with 6% of the votes. So you've now got three out of seven. In fact, I might just make this out of five because the last two are just impossible. So three out of five, you need two more. Um, Oh. Oh, what's it called? Um, Maplin's Holiday Camp. Maplin's, 15% of the vote. Well done, Brian. Well done, Brian. You've now got four out of five, and you only need one more. And I think, have you had a strike yet? I can't remember. You haven't, have you? Yeah, I have, I have had a strike with Red Dwarf. 
Oh, God. My les trousers just don't fit me very well. <laughs> just one leg fell off. Oh, oh, what else is there? Um... So you've got one left that you have to get. Al, start conferring with yourself. Sunshine desserts. Sunshine desserts? What's that? It's where he works in um, Fallenmire's original Perrin. Oh, is it? Of course it is. Sorry. Bit of a desperate. Well, if it's up there, I'll give you the money myself. I'll give you the chocolate myself. Fair enough. Um, it's not. Yeah. Eh, eh, but you've got another life to try and get this. So you've got one more chance. Um, Cafe Rene. That is a good answer, but I'm afraid. Yeah, it is. Eh, eh. But not for no. So you got a chance to steal, Al? Oh, well. I'm, I'm going to go Surbiton. Surbiton isn't a fictional place, you bellend. Because <laughs> it's a real place. In my head, I was thinking, I've got the answer, and it's absolutely a real place. Can I have another go? <laughs> go on. Do you mind having another go, Brian? No, no problem at all. Go on, then. I'll let you have another go. Faulty Towers. Ding! Faulty oh, Towers. Oh. Yeah! Of course. Do. Yeah, it's what we talk about literally every week at the moment. Every yeah. week. Can you can you make my previous answer a blooper then, please? Uh, yes, all right. I'm... I would I withdraw <laughs> Okay. So it's that that's good because we've got we've got it delicately poised at, at one round each. Oh. oh. Tension's high. Yeah, it is. It is very yes. tense, isn't it, Brian? I'm sure that you. Oh, I haven't eaten a chocolate yet. <laughs> well. Mm. Mm. Well done, you. And this is a reward for my less duties. Oh, that's, that's a belter. Lovely Belgian seashells. Whoa. Are they seashells? Mm. Nice. Nice. Praline. Mm. The problem is, once I put it in my mouth, I can't, I can't les up, can I? That, it's all right. We have to just wait. Just carry on. <laughs> okay. Final question. Got your buzzers at the ready. Yes. Name a British sitcom female character. Oh, Alison. Sybil Fawlty. That's the bottom answer, but you've just about got <gasps> in there. Four percent, Sybil Fawlty. Would you like to play or pass? I'll have a go at playing. Okay, no problem. You've got eight other um, ones to get because it was quite a spread in this one. You probably regret right. it. Yeah, so already. Get thinking, Brian. You might get a chance to steal. So. Eight other options, Al. What do you think? Peggy from Heidi High. Ding! Second answer with 18% of the votes. Wow. I know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have called that either. I wouldn't, no. Hyacinth Bouquet. Ding! Uh, <gasps> second to bottom with 4% of the votes, just like Sybil. Okay. You're going well. Um... I'm glad I'm not having to think of the answers, to be honest. Mrs. Slocum. Do you know what? No. And her pussy. No. I'm going to give it you just because it was a tie between Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms in Are You Being Safe? All right. And they were a tie anyway, so I just think I'll let you have that. I I didn't put them both in. Do you know what I mean? Okay. But yes, all right, we'll let you have that. Ding! That was 4% again. Thanks. So you're almost halfway through. You're going pretty well. Margot Ledbetter. Ding! 9% of the votes. Who could forget Margot? Um, Ubetti from... That's a catchphrase, some not of, a I woman. know, but Betty, some others do have them. 
I know her name's not Ooh Betty. Yeah. <laughs> eh, eh, that's your first strike, oh. I'm afraid. No Betty is in okay. there. Okay. No. You've got four left to get. Um, oh, dare I say another one from one of the TV shows that I've already said? Um, yeah, there is a duplicate in there. Is there? There's a duplicate, yeah, from one of the shows. Okay. I'm glad I'm not answering these. It, yeah, it's hard when you're on the spot, isn't it? Um, R- Ruth Maddox's character from Heidi High, uh, Gladys, Gladys Pugh. Gladys Pugh, no. Eh, eh. Okay. So you're on two strikes and you still need to get four. So get thinking, Brian. Oh, Barbara Good. Ding. Okay. 12% of the votes for lovely Barbara. Just three left. Um... Including the top answer, bear in mind. We haven't got that yet. I can't get this woman at my head, so I need to say it. Dorian from Birds of a Feather. I know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Is that because she was in that video I shared the other day? Yes. <laughs> eh, eh, I'm afraid not. Oh. That's Dorian. Dorian wasn't featured. She wasn't first to come to mind for any, anyone, anyone at all. Brian, you got a chance to win this round and the entire game. Three answers to get, including the top answer. We only get one shot at it, mate. Go on, Brian. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm not going to do this, am I? Can I double check? It was the question about female characters from 70s and 80s sitcoms. I think I just said British or sitcoms, British. but I will tell you that they are all exclusively from 70s, 80s or 90s. Right. So it's not Miranda. Yeah, no. Right. That's a cheeky, um... cheeky way of having a little guess, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, but I wanted to check because I thought, no. Mm. That could be somebody that was completely nothing on there. Um, I am really stuck now. One of them I don't think anyone would ever guess, to be honest. I'm going to say this one just because I like saying it, but Nurse Gladys Emanuel from Open All Hours. That's a good guess. I'm going to give it you. It was actually the, it was actually the 10th of nine, <gasps> so I haven't included it, but I'm going to give it you because she got 3% oh. of the votes along with yeah. Cassandra de Trotter. So I I'm going to give it fair. you. Well done, Brian. You are you are the winner, you and you've put out a shame. <laughs> well done, Brian. I'm going to ding my um. I don't think I was. I was. I was too far down. Thank you. Thank you. you. You weren't far away. I'll let you know the missing answers. Yes. Yeah. There was Nora Batty, blessed the summer wine. Yeah. Of course. Four percent of the votes. Mildred Roper from George and Mildred. No, I wouldn't have ever. Weirdly, she got 5% of the votes. Yeah. And then the top answer was Miss Jones in Rising Damp. Right. 34% of Did the votes. Did she really? Wowzers. I think this is heavily influenced by the fact that if someone adds it as a poll option, people just click it rather than being the first one that they think of. Yeah. So it's not the most scientific um, approach. But there we go. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed watching me eat those chocolates, Brian. <laughs> I did. I did. That was great. I'll have to go and find some myself now. <laughs> Would you like to nominate something for Series 3? Is it watching? Uh, yeah, I think it, it is watching, but I do recognise there's a lot, lot of it. A lot of but difficulties. Yeah, watching. Keep us busy for a while, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would do. Yeah. I'm just disappointed that um, Brenda from watching isn't on the list. Um, she wasn't on the list. list of female. Well, she just disappeared, didn't she, after watching? She just retired straight away. Did she? Never did anything else. Emma, oh. Emma Ray. Yeah. Not anything else again. No. Oh, well. Lisa Tarp did well for herself, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But you don't, do you see the other fellow, the guy who played Malcolm? Do you see him in much? I bet he's in Doctors. I bet he's been in Doctors. Yeah. 
Do you mean he's been poorly? Or? <laughs> no, no, yeah, he's been at my doctor's. No, I think he's... I, I, they all turn up eventually in doctors. They do. don't think he has. Yeah, Can't, he's not worked in anything else. No, I don't think, yeah. I quite liked him. He was good for the part. Mm. So maybe maybe we'll deep dive that. And we thank you for your nomination and congratulate you again for winning our inaugural individual fort. I didn't even get a chance to do my Les Dennis, oh, I don't really know, <laughs> impression during that round. <laughs> Which is almost as bad as the impression himself that Les does love maybe some coronation street. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot, Brian. Take it easy. Thanks for joining thanks us. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Tara. So on that bombshell, Al, having lost yet another quiz. Still crying. Still crying. <laughs> Should we get stuck into the episode, the anniversary? So in this episode, we open up as normal outside of Faulty Towers in the grounds, and it's the infamous Flowery Twats. How did they get away with that? It, it gives me so much joy to see it. It really does, because it's like it's in folklore, isn't it now, Flowery Twats? Is it to do with it not meaning the same thing in the south of the country as it does in the north of England? Yeah, I did read that. I'm sure we discussed it in our first episode, yeah. but I can't remember exactly what it do- did mean. Somebody will tell us. Seen it, seen it. No, it's it's quite it's quite shocking, isn't it? Really. And it's the only true anagram used in the entire series. Is that the right? rest of them have got missing letters, but Flowery Twats uses every letter. So they saved it. Mm. I'm surprised they didn't save it for the last episode. It's like a, a going out on a high kind of screw you to the BBC. Yeah. Do you reckon once once they realised what half the country knew that word to mean, there was heads rolling? I bet there was. I bet they kept it a secret. I bet Not nobody please, knew. But yeah. Somebody somewhere. Who's the director in this series? It's not um, Bob, John Howard Davis. Bob Spears. Is it Bob Spires. Yeah. Spires, Spears, Spears. He might have been wrapped across the knuckles or sent to the sent to host a show with Jimmy Savile or something. Possibly. That's a, that's a punishment in itself, isn't it? So we're inside the hotel now. We're in the kitchen and Polly and the chef are chatting about money. Polly needs some money for the weekend. This is the gist of the conversation. Hmm, having a good old moan, aren't Yeah, they? yeah, she's she's desperate. She's already asked for whether it's like an advance or some some money from um, from Basil, and it's it's not been resolved, and she she does need this cash. Manuel comes bustling in. He's been to the shops and he's he's laden down with carrier bags. He's got some paintbrushes for Polly and some change for her. I, I thought that was quite sweet that he he'd been in sort of got a few little bits for her, and um, he's so lovely, isn't he, Manuel? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a well-rounded character in there somewhere oh, when yeah. he's not being bullied by by Basil. I think he's just a you good know, egg. Can you imagine the spin-off? Manuel, the spin-off. <laughs> well, <laughs> just him doing nice things for people and not getting shouted at. I think that's quite a nice programme. Well, actually, this episode of Faulty Towers is also the only one that Manuel doesn't say the word ke in. Is that right? No cares. Okay. He's making a paella. Um, from his mother's recipe. Mm. So he's got he's laden down with bags of probably chorizo and rice and all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, but he is a bit concerned about whether the chef knows that he's making this paella. Mm. Obviously, 
Jacko, the chef, does all the cooking. So Manuel sort of, you know, interrupting his his floor in the kitchen. I, I can't see that going down well. And Sybil then comes into the kitchen and she's she's visibly annoyed. You can tell that there's something that's got her back up and she's slamming things around. And apparently, then we find out it's, it's Sybil and Basil's wedding anniversary, 15th wedding anniversary, and Basil seems to have forgotten, which becomes the gist of the story. Faulty walks in and he's, he's humming and he's reading the paper. He seems to be quite in a, in a jolly mood, I think. Mm, yeah, unusually. Um, he has a back and, back and forth with Polly about not forgetting to put more splits in the bar. What a split? Or have I misheard yeah. that? Banana splits. I don't know. Put, put something in the bar, though. Maybe someone will tell us if, if, if... I don't know what splits are. And then Sybil says, quite a cutting line, Polly won't forget, hinting that he has perhaps forgotten something, which he obviously has, mm. she thinks. But he hasn't. He hasn't forgotten because he's got a plan. He's a man with a plan this week. Well, as soon as Sybil, Sybil walks out, he says, do I detect the smell of burning martyr to Polly? Yes. Because yeah. he knows exactly what's going on and he's just winding her up, yeah. oh. pretending he's forgotten. Would you, though? Is Would this... you do that? It's a dodgy plan from start from the start, I think. So, I mean, what this says about the guy is that even when he's being kind and being nice and arranging a surprise party, mm. he's being a prick at the same yeah. time. there's got to be some barb to it rather than just doing, yeah, he's being doing a nice thing. He's being cruel, well. yeah, yeah. So Mamo's paella that he's making from his mother's recipe is part of the plan, as are the invitation to lots of Sybil's friends who we've never heard about before. And Audrey's not there, but there's a there's a there's an invitation list to friends of Sybil's, which we find out about later. You think Basil just decided to exclude her? Possibly. Maybe she's just too much trouble. Polly asks Faulty then about the money, this money that she was discussing with Jacko at the beginning. She needs this money for, for a car. And she knows that the car's being held for her and she needs this cash um, so that they can they can get it sorted. But he says that they'll discuss it later. So she's a bit sort of put off by that. Mm. I don't know if it's a power play. Mm. Maybe it's a power play, but it might just be he's tight and he just hates parting with money. I think so. Some people are like that. Yeah. You know, I, I know my mum used to go to t- concerts in the 80s and buy tickets. Mm. And the people she went with, uh, one or two in particular, they would give her the the money for the ticket on the night of the concert, like six months later, you know. Really? You, you, you settle your debt, don't you? Yeah. But some people just hate parting with money. And do it at the last possible minute. I think that's possibly what he's doing, yeah. Mm. In the lobby then, we see Miss Tibbs, Miss Gatsby. They're not really sort of fundamental to the to the story this week, but they're, they're both there, off out, dressed up to the nines with the hats and beads. Sybil is still annoyed at the stage about the forgetting of the anniversary. And he still doesn't tell her that there's a plan. She's visibly sort of ruffled. Even when she slaps him, yeah. he won't, he, you know, he's guessing like, oh, what have I forgotten? Is it Ashen Corp or Trafalgar? Yeah. Like going through all the battles. Yom Kippur. Rather than... Despite the fact that none of these are on the dates that, this, <laughs> that it is. So he's, he'll even take a slap in order to make her feel uncomfortable, which is a oh, dick move, that. Mm. Terry comes into the reception as he now he's now heard that Manuel is, is going to be cooking the paella. And he's a bit miffed as he can cook paella too. He's been to catering school, he says. And so he is he's quite cross that you know Manuel's moved in. But why, as, as a chef, knowing that somebody from a different country has the ability to make a food of that country, so like a mm. um it would be a authentic version of this dish why would you not want yeah. to let this person 
show you how to do it. Why would you have such an ego that you think, as someone from England, that you could do a better version of, of a paella than, than, than Manuel? I'd be really happy to let Manuel show me how to make paella. I think you put your finger on the button there. He's just, he's a bit of an ego, isn't he? Yeah. You can see, by the way, he sort of swans around. You know, he's got that walk, hasn't he? Yeah. Oi, oi. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it, it suits the plot. It does indeed. There's no show <laughs> if none of this happens. Yes. There's no conflict. There's no comedy. Yeah. Manuel looks a bit flustered, though, as Faulty explains to Terry that Manuel's wanted to do this since he's arrived. This is what he, he wants to, he wants to cook this paella. I'm, I'm surprised that Faulty's not sort of already used Manuel in this way to, to, to be able to put it on like an, an airboard outside the hotel, like traditional, authentic paella. Yeah, yeah, true. Hmm. But he's, he's trying to do something nice for Manuel, is. which isn't the side of Basil yeah. that you see very often. Yeah. I know nothing. Sybil's got a coat on now, and Manuel sees her go. He sees her leave the hotel while Faulty and Terry are talking in the, in the lobby. We very rarely see that reverse angle yes. when Sybil comes out of the office and you see Manuel sort of flustered going, Yeah. What, what, he doesn't what? know what to do, does he? He's, 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 he, no. he knows that he needs to say something or else he, he, can, he can obviously see this unfolding in front of him. And Manuel explains that Sybil's gone. Faulty chases her, chases after her out of the hotel to try and explain that he's... I have remembered, I have remembered the, um, the anniversary, but she gets in the car and she drives off. And then he stood on sort of like the driveway into the car park and he's hopping mad and he's pummeling the floor having one of his <laughs> faulty breakdowns as another car pulls into the car park yeah so you cannot you could almost see this happening couldn't you that he'd get caught having a having a tantrum in the car park yeah well the guy swerves to go around him and he pretends he's just smoothing out a pothole or inspecting something, the he? tarmac yeah or something along those lines in the reception though the, the people that were in the car come into the hotel and we find out that these are friends of Sybil's that Fault is invited along to this this anniversary party. And and he calls <laughs> it made me feel uncomfortable. He calls Faulty Baz. Oh it's horrible, isn't it? It's not it's so not a Baz. It's, I'm clutching my neck at the thought of it. It made me feel so uncomfortable. He was written as a deliberately obnoxious character. I think. Oh, no, maybe not obnoxious, no, but just a prat. Yeah, I quite liked him though. I like I quite liked him for the fact of how Difficulty made it for for Basil. He was just having fun. He was at Basil's expense. Yes, all the way through. Which Basil doesn't. He doesn't like that, and he's not used to it. He doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, he's. We all know those people who just basically act like dicks. Yes, to make you uncomfortable. Yes, and there's they can be in your friend group, but they're just a bit of a pain. He's one of them. Mm. Hi, Baz. These are the friends that they've been waiting for for the party. Um, obviously, Sybil's now gone. Because um, they're unaware that Sybil's not there. So Polly suggests out loud that Sybil is ill. And that's why she's not actually at the hotel. Yeah. So from the get-go, Polly is in on this. Trying to help Basil as usual. Yes. But with hindsight, this is only going to make the problem worse as usual. So Sybil's ill. She's not there. And the couple that have arrived are actually, it's Eunice Stubbs. Yeah. Eunice Stubbs. Eunice Stubbs as Alice and Ken Campbell as Roger. So Roger is the is is the guy that calls Basil Baz, and he makes a joke on the fact that Sybil's not well. So Sib ill, he calls a Sib. So yeah, it's a and he says Baz Baz well. Baz well. That doesn't work quite as well, does it? Sib ill. Oh. Yeah, but I think Eunice Stubbs wants to go up to see Sybil. She does, and Basil does that old trick about oh a bit of shrapnel. Oh, the he, old pulls, leg, he pulls the fake wartime leg injury thing, doesn't he? Shrapnel klaxon. 
he drags her, he drags her through the bar, but she goes behind the reception to, I think, to call Sybil on the phone upstairs. Mm. But then Faulty says that she's lost her voice, so she can't obviously speak on the phone. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. They're now, now heading to the bar, and Faulty gets Alice and Roger a drink and some nuts. And Roger sort of sneakily whispers to, to, to Alice that he thinks that they've had a row. Yeah. And that's why she doesn't want to come down. But Faulty says that the doctor's gonna will be there that afternoon to check her out because she's not well. So he's he's laying it on thick and just digging the hole even deeper by adding all sorts As he of always does, other characters yeah. into this made up story. I liked it though when um, he was trying to distract them yes. from talking about Sybil. And he says, Well, cheers, and but and uh, Roger says, so, up yours, Basil. <laughs> then adds to the to the story by suggesting that the doctor has already said that she's going to be in bed for a couple of days Sybil so in in the bid to sort of keep them away from the idea that Sybil's upstairs she's introduced the idea of the doctor and Faulty says that well they don't know that yet because the doctor's not been and there's lots of like nodding and and eye rolling and winking and it, it all gets very uncomfortable Faulty says that Polly's just confused and it wasn't the doctor that was there. It was a dentist that's been, who was stopping at the hotel. Yeah, it's just getting more and more convoluted. And obviously, I think it's just designed to show that the guests undermine Basil's explanation to the extent that the guests are completely suspicious. Yes, yeah. To stick that in there so you can see why none of them would believe this sort of cock and bull story. Absolutely. We have the next couple arrive. And the lady has brought a cake in a biscuit tin that she's baked for the anniversary. I thought it was going to be um, a sewing box or a box of buttons that she brought because that's the only time you ever see those biscuit tins. That's true. Full of co- cotton reels. Maybe in your world. In my world, <laughs> you yeah. You are seamstress. I'm always disappointed, though, when I open it up and it's um, it's bobbins and cotton. I always think, well, where's the biscuits? I want some biscuits. Yeah. It's like when you get a tin of roses and it's not a fruitcake. Oh. oh. So Basil explains to this couple again that, that Sybil's not well. And the, the woman from the couple says that she'll take up a slice of cake to try and sort of cheer her up and make her feel well. But Faulty tries again to put them off. But she's this woman's very insistent, I find, throughout this episode. She was, She's yeah, like, yeah. she'll get where water can't, this woman. Well, she's a nurse, it transpires. She's a nurse. And she says, has, has the doctor not been? To which Roger, from the previous couple, says, no, but the dentist has had a good look, which I thought was quite yeah. funny. You also get this thing where, where Polly thinks that Basil's trying to hint at her that the problem is with Sybil's thighs, but it's actually Sybil's, Sybil's eyes. eyes. So she's, uh, yeah, they explain that she's all puffy, that her legs are puffed up. And yeah. yeah Basil then inspects Polly's legs. <laughs> are they? Oh. No, not Polly. Manuel at this stage, just as an aside, he's getting a bit sort of flustered now because the chef mm. is messing with his pots in the kitchen. I'm guessing he's got his stock pot on for his paella. And Jacko just keeps faffing about with the with the pots, and it's upsetting. It's upsetting Manuel. Manuel at this stage as well is in is in like a full chef's whites and the chef's hat, which I thought yeah, was quite he's cute. Very seriously, yes, yeah. he is. He obviously takes this, he takes the, the the making of paella very seriously. I like the fact that um, this second lady who's arrived for yeah. the dinner party, what's her name? Kitty. Is Kitty, it? I think it is Kitty. She's insistent on going upstairs to see to see Sybil. Yes. And and Basil's irritation comes like comes out all at once and he says, Well, she's ill, isn't she? What's the bloody point of looking at her? <laughs> and this is because he's forgotten that she is a nurse. Yes. We have another couple turn up now. This, this is the third couple to the party. 
Um, and they say that they've seen Sybil in town in her car in the high street. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, yeah. Faulty thinks on his feet very quickly and comes up with the idea that it's someone that looks like her that lives in Torquay. They've seen this woman before. She's, yeah, she's 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 always out Northern woman. Yeah, she's a northern woman. Um, and Kitty, the nurse, then again, begins to sort of, you know, push for more details. Oh, you've spoken to her. What's her name? So Faulty gets very flustered at the fact that they, they don't just take it as, you know, just don't, they don't take what he's saying as read. They, they, they want more detail constantly. So it's faffing with his, with his lies. Perhaps he can get away with it with the guests more than he can with his own circle of friends who are probably more Sybil's friends than his anyway. Yeah, yeah. They obviously, they're not, maybe they're used to his, his nonsense and that's why they, they don't believe him. Yeah, well, because they won't believe him, he loses his shit, doesn't he? He says, well, I'm sorry if you've been put out. I mean, you've had some drinks and nuts and seen some old friends and had some laughs, but if that's not enough for you, I'll refund your petrol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're so suspicious about it. The guy with the comb over, um, Roger. Yeah. Terrible comb over. And he he's the one who's, who's making sort of like really passive-aggressive, sarcastic lines. Yeah. So Basil says, oh, well, you must come and see her then. Yeah, he, he, sort, he sort of changed his tune. Is it like reverse psychology to, to sort of like put them off? Right, well, if you want to come upstairs and see her. I assume so. Or more so they go, no, yeah. no, it's fine. No, she's not well. Don't worry about it. At this, day, at this stage, though, it, it does backfire because they all end up going upstairs to check on Sybil. Yeah. One of the guests actually says, oh, hang on, old man, which again is one of those... Phrases that you don't hear. Yeah, like a what what? Oh, come on, old man. Yes. Maybe, maybe Boris Johnson and his chums still say that, but I've never heard anyone in real life say, oh, come on, old man. Good morning, Major. Very well, thank you. <laughs> Faulty comes up with a plan at this stage, and the plan is to get Polly to play the part of Sybil in bed so that when they go in to see her, she can just sort of like feign a lot of illness and they'll be happy they'll believe faulty and then they'll come away and he doesn't need to worry about the fact that Sybil's not in the actual hotel. Yeah, but consent isn't top of um, Basil's mind at no, this point, is he, it? Because he's literally cajoling absolutely. this poor woman and she's he's literally picking her up and carrying her up the stairs, yes. telling her she, she'll be doing it. Yeah, he says, he threatens her and says, you'll never, you'll never waitress in Turkey again. <laughs> oh, well, never mind. She, she says, why don't you do it? And he says, well, I've got a moustache. What is this supposed to be? A big hairy bogey. It isn't going to work. What's the matter? What's the matter? I'm not doing it. You want to be in a Marx Brothers film? That's your problem. I'm not interested. Not interested? No. This is all your fault. My fault? You said to say she was ill. You were the one who invited them to come up here. They didn't even want to. You be Sybil. You get into the bed. I'm too big. I've got a moustache. What's he supposed to be? A great big hairy bogey? It's something you get when you're puffed up. I'll ruin you. You'll never waitress in Turkey again. <laughs> they barter, and she says that she wants this £100 for the car, and this is how she has him over a barrel in the end, to get the money mm. out of him, because she'll do it for this money. I like Polly, because she sticks up for herself, doesn't yes. she? She points out that, waitress, I do everything. You know, I, I'm at reception, and I'm cleaning the rooms, basically pointing out that they yeah. need her far more than Absolutely. she needs them. Absolutely, absolutely. At this stage as well, Manuel is angry with the chef, with, with Jacko the chef, and they're falling out over this paella. But as, as he comes to sort of speak to, to Faulty about it, Faulty sends Manuel to go and tell the chef, go and tell him. And he tell, But then he tells him to go away. And the guests that are on their way upstairs think that he means them, 
so they get all flustered and start to go oh, right okay yeah um he's like no 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 not you when manuel's complaining about terry the chef mm. he says and i rewound this twice and i still don't know what he said it sounds to me like and it can't be but it sounds to me like he called me ignorant rude mother's boy c- and it can't be that i don't know what the last word was but it was sounded so like Right. So Jacko. No, uh, no. This is Manuel. I know. Talking about what? Yeah, but Jacko. All oh, right, but Jacko wouldn't call him that. Would well, it? no. Plus, you wouldn't broadcast it in 1979. No, no, that's absolutely true. Although they got twat in there right at the that's beginning. True. Just throwing them all in. <laughs> Fanny. <laughs> Minge. Twat. Fadge. Actually, Fadge is an Irish dish. They could have had O'Reilly come round to make some. That's what. Yeah. I bet Jacko wants to like that either. No, beef curtains could have been all in there. <laughs> he tell me you tell him I, I tell don't... him paella is a Spanish, not cockney stinking eel pie. Right. I make the paella like my mama. I'm not interested. My mother's recipe is big in Barcelona. No way. No, no please, you come, you come. He called me ignorant wog mother boy crump. Anyway, so they are, they're all lined up now, the guests, to, to, to sort of pop in and to, and to see Sybil. The lady in the black with the flowery dress, Kitty, she's desperate again to, to, for more information. Faulty says that Sybil was saying thank you to them for all, all for coming. And the lady says, oh, so she can speak a little then. So she doesn't forget she doesn't yeah. forget anything, this woman. She knows what Basil is, I think. Yes, I think she's got his number, hasn't she? He, he, he spills the nuts and, and Roger's making his shit jokes about Basil Brush. Yes. He's going to get a brush. Broom, broom. I'm, I'm sorry, I've just realised that the, the lady with the black flowery dress isn't Kitty. She's the third female from the third couple. It's Virginia. Virginia is the lady with the black dress and the flowery, with the flowers on. Of course, because Basil says, oh, all this time I've known Virginia, and she thinks I've forgotten that she's a nurse. Yeah. Oops. This happens a lot. <laughs> so you, you know what? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. That's what he said in one of our reviews. The uh, lack of knowledge of the 70s gets trying sometimes. It does indeed. Thanks for sticking <laughs> with us, those who don't mind us making the odd mistake. Sorry. At this stage, Eunice Stubbs wants an ashtray. So this is where it gets a bit frenetic of running up and downstairs. So Basil runs down to get a ashtray and he goes into the bar and has a big swig from something behind the bar because he's obviously off his head at this stage and doesn't know what to do because the hole that he's dug is enormous at this stage. Manuel disturbs him and he pours the bottle all over all over himself. Manuel's panicking now because the chef the chef put mince in the paella, mm. which I'm, I'm guessing is, is has been done out of spite, not out of paella making expertise because mince doesn't go you in. A, have mince, you don't put you? mince no. in a paella. The guests are still waiting. Basil comes back with the ashtray and some nuts, and then the nuts fall all over the floor. And Eunice, Eunice Stubbs starts to pick them all up. Basil says, I'll go and get a brush, and then goes down to this is where we get the battle brush. Boom, broom, 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 broom. That's what he, that's what Roger says. He's, he also says, weirdly, Basil's like, Can I is anybody else need anything? And he went, I wouldn't mind a chuck ice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit fucking random request, isn't it? Chuck like, ice. Does he feel like he's at like um at the cinema or something? Because it's just all playing out as like a massive, long, ridiculous story. I think you can see that Roger's getting on Basil's nerves because yeah. he says, um, you read a lot of Oscar Wilde, do you, Roger? Basically saying that you're witless. Yes. The Major is now on the landing with the with the guests at this stage. And there's a, another confusing conversation about where Sybil is. Faulty says, she's ready for you now. 
they've managed to sort out Polly and, you know, get her ready. And the Major tries to go in as well. And Basil says, no, not you. <laughs> I love that. He just spins him round on the spot, does yeah, he? Not no, you. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if he'd been part of that as well? So the, the, usher, the, the, the guests are ushered into the room that Sybil, in, in inverted commas, is, is in. And the guests all bid her hello. They're all sort of happy to see her. The lights are off and there's lots of crashing and banging in the dark. They're all falling over each falling other. Falling over aren't they? each other. Yeah, yeah. But Polly is propped up in bed with a screen around her. And she's got one of Sybil's wigs on and dark glasses, and she's got things tucked into sort of a underneath a, 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 a jar. Um, so she looks very puffy and very swollen. And they ask her how she's feeling. She looks rough. <laughs> she looks rough. But weirdly, I know that the things in her mouth were to make her cheeks look yeah, wider. Yeah. Because she's supposed to be ill. But obviously, Prue Scale's face is more round yes. than Connie Boo's face. So, yeah. along with the wig and the sunglasses, I thought it was actually quite convincing. It was very convincing. It was. I had to look twice. I couldn't see Polly in there at all. Just the nose, I think. Right, yeah. okay. But it, it would, in a darkened room, yeah, it could have fooled. It could have fooled you. Yeah. Mm. Not the rest of the shenanigans. The rest of it was bullshit. But the, that visual yeah. maybe could have fooled me. As with, with no sort of real confirmation on what's actually wrong with her. So it could have been anything. Yeah. She, I think I think she did look a, a bit Sybil-esque. So they brought a cake and, and um, they wish him happy anniversary and happy to see her. Basil then makes the mistake of looking out the window and sees Sybil pulling up in the car outside. He runs downstairs, obviously, because he needs to sort of like head her off. Yeah. Um, and he greets her in the lobby. She says that she's not stopping. And she says, I don't, you don't even want me to stop, do you? And she slaps him again. Oh, it's so sad because she clearly, it's a really sad scene because she's vulnerable yeah. and she really wants Basil to fight for her. You don't see this dynamic at play very much. Nope. And she's really sad and she's like, I think I best go. I think that's for the best, don't you, Basil? And he's just, he just wants her to go. So she's out the way to cover his ass. Cover his ass, with, yeah. With, with a friend. But she's really sad and she, I don't know, it, it was just a different sort of scene for Faulty Towers, mm. for the dynamic between those two characters in their marriage. There was, a, I think it's possibly the only time you see affection. Yeah, from her. Towards Basil mm. from Sybil, yeah. She wants him to fight for her. He just says, cheerio, drive carefully. Yeah. In other words, yeah, if she stops, then this, this whole sort of house of cards comes tumbling down, doesn't it? She's a fine woman, Mrs. Faulty. No, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, no lie. Upstairs again, the guests, they, they bid fake Sybil farewell. And the nurse is interfering again. Virginia, she's there mm. trying to feel Sybil's glands. She gets a slap, doesn't she? Yeah, Polly's trying to stop her and hits her. Basil tries to get them all out of the bedroom and Sybil's in the car now downstairs with a friend. Do you think, is this Audrey? Is there any mention of who? This is Audrey, yeah. Audrey. Yeah. So she's crying because obviously Basil's let her down on their 15th wedding anniversary. And then Audrey says, did you get your clubs? Because obviously they're going to go and play golf. And she's like, oh, no. So she goes back in. The guests are now downstairs in the lobby. Sybil walks in to get her clubs and the guests are all there. They're all there. And Basil tries to make out that this is the lookalike, the northern lookalike from, from town. Yeah. And the weird way she acquiesces to this, she doesn't just say, what are you talking about, Basil? She allows him to take her by the hand, walk her through the war zone of the kitchen where Terry and Manuel are like rolling yes. around on the floor. 
straight into a cupboard and lock her in a cupboard. Lock her in a cupboard. Why did she go along with this? Did you think? Do you think she realised? Do you think the Peddy dropped with her what what the plan was, and he just sort of got himself into a tears, and she knows him that well that she just assumes that this is all gone to shit, and I best just get in this cupboard. <laughs> Who knows? It's just the way she acquiesced to she walk did. into the cupboard. She did was it. Just like what? Polly walks in and Basil nods to the guests who are now leaving and says, piece of cake. As if like, oh, yeah. I've solved that problem. They didn't, didn't have a clue. Piece of cake. And then he and says... And Roger's like, I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> God, don't get out much, Roger, do you? And then he says, now comes the tricky bit as he heads into the kitchen and he's got to face Sybil, who's still locked locked in the in the fridge slash... Maybe it's a sausage cupboard. Is that where they put the sausages, the meat overnight? Must maybe? be, yeah. Must be where Dr. Sausages is. Yep. Gets his sausages from, yeah. And that's where it ends. Weird point to end it, though. Yeah. I wanted to find out what happened. I wanted to, I wanted to see the next bit of fallout between Sybil and Basil. Yeah. Exactly when he when he let her out of the cupboard, mm. you can envisage this in a lot of um, classic sitcoms. That what happened next would have been entertaining. Yes, but they're working to a thirty-minute framework, so it's got to end there. I feel yeah. I feel like I've been like cheating though. I feel like I've been, I've missed out on on a, a neat bow at the end of the episode. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's the sort of thing that would have been nice to for for John Cleese to have included in the stage show. Yeah, like some of the some of the post crescendo fallout. Yeah, the, the what happens next. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of this episode? It's not my favorite, but it it was fun to watch. Yeah, there's elements of it that were that are very good. Um, Polly, I noticed Polly slapped someone again. We should have kept a slap, slap count for tab. Polly. Yeah, she she actually throws the hands around quite a lot. That woman. Yeah, she slaps. Basil, I'm sure at one point, yeah, she slaps that woman in the Kipper and the Corpse last week, yes. Miss Tibbs. Yeah, I think she might slap Manuel in one episode. Oh, yeah, don't like any slapping a Manuel. But uh, no, I did enjoy it. The war in the kitchen was a little bit mad. Yeah, at the end, the fact that they're rolling around on the floor, I would certainly fancy Jacko in that contest. Maybe a Spaniard scorned is a thing to behold. Yeah. I just, I just, I'm, I'm still flabbergasted that a, an English chef would, would think that they could make a paella any better than a Madrillian? Someone from he's Madrid? Barcelona and he's Catalan. Barcelonian, yeah, Madrillian. <laughs> I am from Madrid. No, you're not. No, that's you're Franco, Franco, isn't it? I'm bit. thinking of Franco, yeah. In Madrid. Did you spot any bric-a-brac? My pick for this week was the, the, the screen that they put up in the bedroom, um, like a room divider. That, so rather than having two separate rooms, or you sort of like portion off a bit of a bit of a room with a with a room divider that, that mm. like bends into three, and I think you saw them quite a lot in like the seventies. They, they often appeared with like you could throw your claw, you could get change behind it and throw your claws over in a sexy way. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Mm. Yeah, they you don't see them as much. You do see them, but just not I think as you much, see them sort of in like retro in retro now. You like it's like a retro piece of furniture now. So probably around then, it was like a normal thing to have in your house. Over here, I think you're seeing a lot in restaurants to delineate the reception area or the takeaway area. Yes. Yeah. Usually made out of like woven like bamboo or that. It's like, it's like a bamboo frame yeah. with like woven things over it to, to just do. Yeah. Exactly. Just yeah. put it up in a room. 
but they were probably more, more commonplace in the 70s. Eh? I think so. What about yourself? Did you pick anything? I don't know what his name is, but Kitty's fella, the one who called Basil Old Man. Yeah. Not his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, not like Mrs. Mrs. Hall's face. The fact that he had a pipe, and I just thought, you don't see pipe smoking anymore, yeah. do you, really? I've got a friend who smokes a pipe in back in Britain, but when I think back over my entire life, well, maybe maybe as a kid, some some old uncles, maybe. Yeah. But I can't really think of many people I know who, who smoke a pipe. It was quite funny, actually. My friend Malk, who smokes a pipe, he goes to all the Everton games, mm. and you know, obviously you'd, you can't smoke at the football ground these days. Mm. And um, the steward told him to put it out, so he took it out of his mouth, and he said, "No, put it out." He said, "It is out." Yeah. <laughs> because it's like. Well, how do you put out a pipe that you can't just stand up around with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> that is, if it's not in your mouth, you, that's it. Yeah. I think he wanted him to douse it in water or something. Dip it in a bucket or something. Yeah. I've got, a, a, we had an uncle that, that smoked a pipe and, it, and it's such a, um, you don't smell the smell of a, a pipe anywhere anymore. But, but it's far do, more pleasant, I, isn't it? Than, it is. Than g- generic nicotine. Yeah. The picture, the picture of the smell in my head, if that makes sense, I can still smell it every so often. I had a pipe when I was in The Hobbit as a extra. Yes. When I was the the barman in The Green Dragon in The Hobbit yeah. movie. But yeah. um, it was a long, thin pipe. Yes. With a like, tiny little end. And I was sort of giving it the old... At the yeah. end of it. But it wasn't a light. They added the smoke rings. Well, I think the plan was to add the smoke rings later, but... yeah. As it happened, the millisecond that I'm in the film, it's just in my hand anyway, so there was no real need. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at Gandalf's fireworks. <laughs> yeah, so pipe, pipes are not something you see a lot of now. No. We've got a bunch of guests here that you can analyse the sartorial stylings of. Well, should, should we have a trip to Fashion Corner? Yes, I'll give it a go. Well, well it's, it's time, time to take, take a little trip. trip. To the place that long ago was hip. It's Fashion Corner. It's Fashion Corner. It's Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner. My first hot pick in Fashion Corner this week is Miss Tibbs and Miss Gatsby. They're both dressed up to the nines. I think I mentioned it earlier that they're both dressed up to the nines. They look like they might be just going shopping, but they are in, they're both in like dress suits. Miss Gatsby is in like a pale pink suit with a striped pattern detail, buttoned down the front with a maroon hat and a feather. Maybe I don't know what. Maybe, I think maybe they're going out for like afternoon tea or something because they, they both look very fetching. They're going out to Peckham Market to get some fruit and veg, aren't they? They are. That's where they're going. Ciao, Delboy. Miss Tibbs in a similarly styled suit. Um, it's navy with a floral detail and a pale pink hat with a pink flower in it. They're both adorned with necklaces and beads and they both have a handbag as well. But they've got a hanky in the handbags. Kitty, the real Kitty, not the fake Virginia Kitty, was in like a red and white sailor style blouse with mm. red piping and uh, again, a neckerchief that was built into the to the blouse. Um, she looked quite sweet, her outfit. Sybil, before she um, before she disappears off, is in um, an ivory blouse with an almond coloured spot detail. I thought it was really cute this 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 blouse that she had on. Uh, the blouse had, as we've seen in, in many episodes and many of the clothes that, that Sybil has, it's got like a necktie that's like part of the of the actual blouse with the gold brooch and the spots, the almond spots that are in the in the blouse are also the colour of the skirt as well. So she's always she's always like nicely coordinated, is Sybil. Eunice Stubbs, 
Hey. When she arrives, she oh she looks fab. She's wearing a white skirt suit with like very sort of like dainty pink flowers with pink rickrack piping, which is like the um, like zigzaggy piping that you can that you that was very sort of familiar in the 70s. Is along the edges of the collar and it buttons down the front. She's got a teeny tiny little waist. Very delicate is, is Unistubs with bright cornflower blue eyeshadow that matches nothing, <laughs> which I think that was, you know, de rigueur in the 70s. Roger, with his strange, hugely massive comb over that he had, is in like a beige green sports jacket with a striped shirt with an enormous collar and a cravat. Yeah. It's been a while since we've seen a cravat. Basil had one on in one episode, didn't he? Yeah, and biscuit-coloured trousers. We used to get them every week with Jerry. We did. I've missed that. I've missed the cravatage, and um, it was nice to see a cravat back. Mm. But, like, I don't know who's dressed Roger, because the combination of his clothes, nothing is coordinated. Nothing matches. The jacket, the shirt, the cravat, and the trousers, nothing is, is coordinated. So he looks like a, a bit of a, a bundle of washing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not down with um, with Roger's um, wardrobe there. I'm not down with Roger at all, to be honest. He's no. the sort of guy you wouldn't want to know, isn't he? Virginia slash thought she was called Kitty has a black floral full dress with a wide collar. This dress, I'm sure I've got a picture somewhere of my mum in a similar dress when she was like heavily pregnant with me. All right. Because my mum had to she had to, she had to have steroids. She had to have steroids when I was when she was pregnant with me, so it did get quite big during her pregnancy. And I've only got one picture of her while she was pregnant um, in this this like sort of like billowing black and floral dress. So it did it did make me sort of make that connection in my head, which was quite sweet. Yeah. I did mention earlier about Manuel in his full chef's whites and his chef's hat. You know the the archetypal chef hat. He obviously took it very seriously, his role of, of being chief paella maker for the for the evening. Um, and I, I feel like he was, I feel I feel really sad for, for the character of Manuel in this episode because I feel like he's had that, that sort of role taken away from him and belittled. I think when he's upset, your heart goes out to him because he's such a nice little man, isn't he? Yeah. The time when the, uh, the other chef was interfering with him. Yeah. And he was upset and Basil was ignoring him. You're just like, oh. You just want to give Manuel a cuddle, don't you? Yes. You just want to make sure he's okay, don't you, Manuel? Uh, we didn't mention during the thing, but when mm. when um, Roger was making his shit jokes about Seville mm. and Baz, Bazwell, well. <laughs> Manuel joined in, he went, Manuel! <laughs> <laughs> he must have been made up with himself because he got a British pun. Oh, bless him. So... Next week is the final episode of, oh. of Faulty Towers that was made and the final episode of this series of Sado. Yes, indeed. It's series two, episode six, Basil the Rat, where Manuel has a pet rat that he thinks is a guinea pig, but really isn't a guinea pig. And he calls it Basil, which is funny. <laughs> so that'll be the last one we deep dive. So we really do need the suggestions. Brian earlier gave us watching, which... Although we've not discussed it, as it was only about 40 minutes ago, I do think it's probably a bit too much to bite off and chew. Nine series of watching. It's a lot, yeah. That's a long slog, that, isn't it? But Reggie Perrin's a good suggestion. Yeah. Now's really the time. Send them to us, and then we'll put a poll together quite imminently. So make sure you're on the email list or in the Facebook group. We'll see you for that one next week. See you next time.
the crankies were always involved in swinging parties and shit. Yeah. I don't want to be cruel or anything, but can you imagine being at a swingers party and then you put your hand in the bowl and you bring out fucking Ian Cranky's <laughs> keys and you're like, she's there in a the fucking schoolboy outfit, winking at you. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. no. That was a strange setup altogether, though, that, weren't it? The fact that was, yeah. that's his wife and she plays a schoolboy. When I was a kid, I used to think that Ian Cranky, Ian, it is Ian, eh? Yeah, and Jeanette. I didn't know if I'd imagine that it was Ian because I used to get, I used to genuinely think that Ian St. John from St. Ingrid's <laughs> and Ian Cranky were the same the person. same person. Do you know what? I can understand that. They did look similar, eh? Yeah, they did. They did. But I never used to get mixed up between Jeanette Cranky and Greedy. <laughs> That's just a step too far, isn't it? Oh, 